If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Congratulations to Steven Stamkos. He got his 500th career goal in Vancouver. Also got 501, as a matter of fact, as this game is just about over as we do this podcast. Steve, that's a lot of goals. I was thinking about that. Like, he's he's the has the third most among act, active players. Of course, Alexander Ovechkin has. I think he got his 800th not too long ago. And then, of course, mm-hmm. there's Sid Crosby. That's that's as they say, uh, uh, quite a company to keep right there. I mean, wow, that's that's a lot of goals, man. Well, he's only the 47th player in history to get. 500. Now he's already tied for 45th at 501. Mm-hmm. So he's going to keep moving up that list. It's an incredible considering a few years ago, many people thought he was done. I got my hand up. You know? I mean, this guy had injury upon injury, you know, the thoracic thing, broken leg. Remember he missed the uh, chance to play in the Olympics for team Canada. Um, it's been one thing after another. And, mm-hmm. and, Last year to have played every single game was an achievement in and of itself. Well, he, yeah. he he practically carried the team the first half of the year last year. He did, yeah. And you know, and he's talked about it. A couple things with him. One, there's a difference between rehabbing and training in the off season. That's correct. And because when he came out a couple of years ago, he looked faster, mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. But the other part of this is how he has evolved his game. From just a score or shooter, right. yeah. he's he's pretty much the best face-off guy on the team. Matter of fact, they sent him out for penalty kills just to take the face-offs. Yeah, he's not really a PK guy, but he yeah. wants to take the face-off, yeah. Um, he's become a much better passer. I mean, the fact that he got 500 assists before he got 500 goals. That's crazy. Who would have thought that a few years ago? Right. Is, is that, you know, not only has he become a great captain for this team, but all that, I mean, he's he's a better player, overall player, than he's ever been. You know, maybe he's not quite as fast. Maybe the shot's not quite as good as it was back when he hit 60 in that. But mm-hmm. his overall game and what he's meant to this team, and, and just think about how, what was it, six years ago, six, uh, yeah, six years ago, when he was deciding and we all thought he was gone. So, yeah, thought he was going to, go to Toronto. Toronto, back mm-hmm. home, yeah. Yeah. And he decided to stay here, and how that has changed the course of this franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, if he doesn't sign here, does Victor Hedman resign? And do right. all those guys take team friendly deals for a little less money? Granted, you've got the, the no state tax here and all that, too. So that's part of it as well. But all those guys, and, and you know, now with two Stanley Cups, the third final in a row, who knows? And they're, you know, they're, they're getting better and better as this season goes along. Right. You know, they're up to, what, the fourth best team in hockey according to points percentage? They've played yeah, a few a less role. games, so they're not mm-hmm. quite there. And they're beating a very bad Vancouver team tonight. But, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> but it's it's incredible what he has done 
I mean, at this point, he's got to be the greatest Lightning player of all time, correct? He is now. I I would have said, you know, a couple of years ago it was Marty St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing he doesn't have is an MVP. I mean, it's hard to win an MVP in the NHL, right? Mm-hmm. And Marty has that on him and always will. So Marty kind of like just from a league standpoint sort of eclipsed, you know, what mm-hmm. what Stamkos had been. But I think at this point, and I'll, I'll go a step further, and we can debate this on another podcast, but he's the greatest Lightning player of all time, in my opinion, right? Drafted here, um, you know, played so long, played at such a high level, um, you know, all the Stanley Cups, like you mentioned, captain, all of that. And we watched him evolve as a player, like you just mentioned. But on top of that, um, could he be the greatest Tampa Bay athlete? Because what I mean is the number of championships he won, right? Like if I said, who's the greatest Buccaneer? You'd say probably what? Derek Brooks? I would think you'd Leroy have to go Selman. there. Leroy Selman. Uh, Derek Selman Brooks, would one be of those the other one. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but Sapp would be right? up there too, but I think you put Brooks. Brooks won Defensive Player of the Year. Sapp won Defensive Player mm-hmm. of the Year. But Sapp, you know, Sapp was great. Don't get me wrong. Brooks played for one organization. Sapp, after nine years, went to the Raiders, mm-hmm. et cetera, right? Brooks is kind of like that Mr. Buccaneer, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's others too, like Ronnie Barber could be in the Hall of Fame. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you got you got you know Leroy Brooks and Sap. So let's let's just say it's Brooks, okay? All right, Derek Brooks is pretty pretty damn good. Won a World Championship, won one, okay? But was part of a team that had a lot of great defenses and all that. Baseball, it's got to be Evan Longoria, right? Who's the yeah. greatest Ray of all time? It's, it's got to right? be Evan, yeah. Okay. Went to a World Series, didn't win it, wasn't an MVP. Rookie of the Year mm-hmm. was pretty damn good. Multiple all-star teams, all of that. Um, helped usher in a new era of Rays baseball. But still not quite to the level of Stamkos, in my opinion. Didn't win World Championships, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think you could make a case, just a case. and It's close. It's between Derek Brooks, right? But if Stammer goes in the Hall of Fame, which I think he will, um, you can make a case he might be the the most decorated or the most whatever that is uh, Tampa Bay athlete. You know, I mean, when you consider Stamkos to what they've been to the Final Four in hockey, oh, seven times, eight. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I mean the success of the franchise doesn't even come close to the Bucks or the Rays. Yeah, and he's, and he's been a captain for a lot of that. Right, and it, that's when he's been in his prime. Mm-hmm. You know. So, iconic moments. I mean, he he's had it all, and and overcoming injury, and you know the longevity with one organization. So, just think what his numbers would be if he hadn't lost all those games to injury. Oh my goodness! Yeah, he'd have six hundred, seven hundred goals. He lost whole seasons practically. Mm-hmm. You know, so in his prime too, like below the age of thirty, uh, he lost lost time. So he's playing at an elite level at an age when most guys you start to see decline. And you made the point. He changed he changed his game. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean to have to to reach five hundred assists before you did the goals is no one would have thought that. So pretty remarkable. Really cool. And Alex Kalorn had the assist, which I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Because Killer's been around forever. Yeah, he's actually been part of the lighting organization longer than Stamkos. 
That's hard to believe. Now, granted, he I mean, he didn't sign. He was drafted and then went to college for four years. So yeah, yeah, he hasn't officially right. been part. Of, but he was drafted a year before Stamkos. But he's a real glue guy. I mean, this guy's been phenomenal for a long time. Just steady. You know what you're going to get. Um, it's been really good. And the Lightning, they're pouring it on, man. They're hot. They are. They are tough to beat right now at home. They've won nine in a row, I think, and on the road now they're starting to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Not such a great road record to start the yeah. year, but when they're back at it again tonight, Edmonton back on a back to back. So that's that's a tough back to back. But Vasilevsky will start tonight. As yeah, Elliot was in goal against Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah, yep. did play well. Yep, and hopefully Nick Perbix is back tonight. He set out another game. Right, saw that. Uh, he was injured during the St. Louis game. Missed Seattle. Missed Vancouver. You're hoping. John Cooper said he's day-to-day. You're hoping he's back tonight. Maybe if he's day-to-day, you didn't want to play him in a back-to-back, so you play him on the second half of it maybe. So we'll find right. out. I still think that they're going to add to this team. They're, they're not getting, like, and you mentioned this the other day, they're not getting some of the scoring on mm-hmm. those lower line, Nemestikov and some of the guys that they were yeah. counting on, some of those you know third and fourth lines. I believe I, Elliot I still, Friedman speculated that the Lightning might be interested in trading for Luke Shen. Former lightning, former, former lightning player, right? He's in yeah. Vancouver, which isn't going anywhere. Right. So, you know, maybe they add to the blue line with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a, they're right where they need to be. I mean, they're, you know, obviously it's going to be hard to get through Boston and, and, you know, some of these teams. But really cool that uh, – and you mentioned this. Vancouver fans don't have much to cheer about. They were able to give a standing ovation to Stamkos if nothing else, so they appreciate their hockey, which is neat. We've got uh, your mailbag questions coming up in just a minute. Answered 100% correctly. My, oh my, have you people got some things on your mind? Not surprisingly, it's about the Buccaneers. We're going to talk about that and their coaching situations, both uh, head coach and on the staff. But first, want to remind you guys of a way to save money on your electric bill. Do it now. It's called May Electric Solar. It's a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years now. There's a lot of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. Here's the deal. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Think about that. Three decades, something goes wrong. They're there fixing it. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing so you can see what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. All those guys up there banging in the solar panels, those are Billy Mays guys. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, preserve the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727 819 2862. All right. We have so much like queries, questions, mailbag, uh, and really just questions on my timeline about the Buccaneers right now and other things too, but primarily the Bucks and their coaching situation. Before we get to those, I want to delve into something that I think people need to at least I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on a soapbox a little bit here, but I I don't I'm not really trying to uh, disparage anybody else's work or anything like that. But here's here's the thing. Um, there was a report, and it doesn't matter who did it in this case, but there was a report really right after the game on Monday night that the Bucks were expected to fire, fire Byron Lefwich, okay? 
Now, by the time you hear this podcast, maybe they have, right? But it's not, that's not a shocking possibility, okay? The the offense went from 30 points a game down to 17-something, uh, last in the league in rushing attempts, last in the league in rushing. You know, we, we watched it, right? We saw what a precipitous drop-off that offense had, even with Tom Brady as the quarterback, okay? So we're not, this isn't like, something that would be like, oh my gosh, why would they consider that? Now, having said that, um, what happens these days is anybody, and I mean anybody, uh, much less uh, an organization that covers this team, puts something out like that, it goes viral, right? Like, And everybody everybody picks it up as if this has happened. Um, and then it becomes... Oh yeah, they fired Byron Leftwich, or they're firing. Oh, Byron Leftwich is fired, or he's as good as fired, or he's going to be fired. And so that runs rampant. Now let me tell you behind. Pull the curtain back a little bit. Behind the scenes, what something like that does. Coaches, and assistant coaches, and uh, other offensive coaches, their agents, and and even themselves at times, they start calling the Bucks because they've seen it too. And they said, well, you fired Byron Leftwich, right? I'm interested in the job. It's like, no, actually, we haven't. Okay, we're sitting here. By the time you, most of you hear this, it'll be Wednesday. It'll be Thursday, right? Yeah, it'll be Thursday. And Byron Leftwich hasn't been fired yet. Now, maybe, depending on when you hear it, maybe he will be. But the point is, the reason he hasn't been fired is, and I asked Todd Bowles this on Tuesday after the game, is... No, we haven't made up our minds. We haven't even had a meeting about it. So while the speculation is great and might be accurate, might end up being the case, right? Anyone can speculate, right? But if you're speculating or you're reporting, it's hard to say they've fired them, they've decided to fire them. Certainly people have their own opinions. But the man's going to work every day. And he went to work on uh, Wednesday and... He's got family members calling him saying, oh, my God, I saw where you got fired. Like That shouldn't happen, right? I just, these guys have families. They pour a lot into this. They know the business. They, they know it's a, a production business. They, they know you're hired to get fired. You know, it happens all the time. But it hasn't happened. And so this morning sometime, <clears throat> I think uh, Todd Bowles was supposed to meet with the Glazers either yesterday or this morning. He's going to have a staff meeting. The first time the staff has met, together he's met some with some guys individually and look there may be more guys there may be there's look there's always change in the nfl right when you don't achieve your goals and the goal being the super bowl there's always going to be change much less when tom brady's your quarterback and you don't reach the super bowl so there's going to be change but this is the first time that Bowles will meet with his coaches and discuss what him and the glazers have decided okay so, it like I said, it might eventually happen, but for now, since Sunday at midnight, I guess, 11 o'clock, 11.30, um, you know, the news was, so to speak, that he's gone. But he's not gone. <laughs> he can't be gone until they get to that point where they make a decision. And like I said, there's probably a lot of opinions. Um, something may happen, but it hasn't happened. So I just... I feel for him because I know there's a lot of coaches over there that are upset about it and other people 
And, and then just in the business itself, like, you know, it's weird to get calls from guys around the league saying, Oh, I, I read where he was fired and no, he's not fired. So I know a lot of people out there that listen to this podcast. Cause in a lot of you guys, you know, tweet us and, and whatnot. They, they, a lot of them, you know, Byron's as good as gone. Like if you don't fire Byron, Byron, Byron. And, and I've, I've discussed this and I'm, I'm not in charge. They don't ask me my opinion, but I would just say this, that like, yeah, he's the play caller and they had a bad year and they had a big drop off. They scored almost half as many touchdowns and they were terrible in the red zone and they couldn't run the football and they didn't call runs. And, and Byron and Tom are the ones doing all the game planning. It's not Todd Bowles. It's those two and those two only. And, you know, you could talk about the offensive line coach if you want to. You can talk about the run game coordinator and Harold Goodwin if you want to. All those guys didn't have a productive year either. And so there's a lot of reasons for all of it, but I understand it's a bottom line business. These guys understand that too. But but there's a lot of other things that happened this year. And, and if if you're going to say this is all on Byron – who doesn't throw a pass, doesn't fumble a ball, doesn't miss a block, just calls plays, then when he was winning Super Bowls and when he was they were scoring 30 points a game, I think you also have to give him credit for that, and nobody did. Then it was Tom, you know? And that's that's kind of the difficult thing about this is that, oh, so the guy just forgot how to, you know, what he was supposed to do. Now, the offense has changed dramatically from the no risk it no biscuit version and it started to change the Super Bowl year when they were 7 and 5. So Tom had a big influence in a positive way over what they were doing. But this is not the offense that Byron knew, grew up in, uh played with with BA. Uh so he's, you know, trying to adapt as well. It just didn't work out this year. And we talked about the injuries and the different players. So again, don't know what's going to happen. And I wrote the other day on, um, I guess it was probably Sunday before the playoff game, that um, Todd Bowles is back for 2023, whether they won the playoff game or not. Barring, as I wrote, some last-minute change of, of heart. And the only thing that would change would be the ownership. And there's a number of them. As you know, it's a family and I would just say this, that Todd Bowles is going to meet with the Glazers. Uh, if he hadn't already, he could have met with them on Wednesday or today. And they're going to ask him, how are you going to fix this? Right? What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Not knowing who your quarterback is. If he doesn't have the right answers, if they don't feel he's going to take them to a Super Bowl one day, I've seen this. You know, you never, and as I said, and during when I wrote it, you never say never. There's a number of people in that room that all are by the name of Glazer. And if one can convince the other ones that we should go a different direction, they may just, well, now what's the alternative, right? Who are they going to hire? Who who would be better? No, Sean Payton's still out there. And there's more than a few people over there that think, you know, he he's talked to Carolina. We know his, he tried to make an effort to get with Tom in Miami a year ago. The Dolphins ended up getting, you know, Docked a couple bunch of draft picks, and the owner got suspended for eleven games for tampering. But Sean Payton and Tom were trying to unite and do it in with the Miami Dolphins. And I'm just I'm spitballing here totally. There's there's no factual anything to this at all. 
But what if, right? What if Sean Payton told the Glazers or his representative, whatever that Tom Tom will play there if I coach the Bucks. Now you're gonna have to give up a mid round first pick, they pick nineteenth. But would you fire Todd Bowles then for a Sean Payton and a Tom Brady combo? That'd have to be something they talked about. They'd have to talk about it, right? So anything can happen, and there's people on that staff that are still not sure what will happen. I mean, they fired Tony Dungy, for God's sakes. They can fire Todd Bowles. Um, But that's not the plan, and it hasn't been the plan, and that's why I wrote that it's not going to happen. Not expected as you would expect it, but it it really isn't something they were focused on. In fact, um, I was told that uh, they're already making plans for what day Bulls and and Jason Light will speak at the NFL Combine in a few weeks. So that's how confident they are. But, again, there's always going to be change on a coaching staff. I just wish, you know, it's great being first, but it really helps to be right at the time you report it. And, And this is what happens when when it, you know, you get out in front of the story. And uh, I think it's unfortunate for, for Byron and, and, and some of the folks over there that have had to go through this, but we'll see. Um, you know, there's going to be change, and, and I think that Byron is certainly somebody that might be part of that. But what if Tom Brady wants Byron Leftwich to be his coordinator? By the way, there's lots of reports out there that Bill O'Brien is as good as gone to the New England Patriots and that Bob Kraft has made that hire, not Bill Belichick, which is interesting to me. Because, you know, Kraft sort of had enough of the foolishness last year. And, you know, if you think about it, Mac Jones, Alabama quarterback, you've got Bill O'Brien coming from Alabama. I mean, certainly he's done a good job. He did a good job with Brady up there with New England, won a Super Bowl together, so... Um, that would have been the guy and is the guy that they talked to a year ago when they thought that Byron left, which was going to go to Jacksonville. So Bill O'B may be headed back to New England. Uh, that was sort of the scuttlebutt, at least on on Wednesday night. Okay, so we got a bunch of mailbag questions. Uh, Steve, let's get started. We'll hit some of these today. We'll do some more tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, let's go. All right, Anand had uh, tweeted us. He says, wanted to get your thoughts. I've been thinking about this whole offensive coordinator ordeal. Should they decide to fire Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles would be on the hot seat all next season. Why would someone like Bill O'Brien, Todd Munkin, or Frank Reich be interested in taking the OC job under a lame duck coach? If Bowles gets fired midseason, you'd have to assume that OC takes over as the interim head coach, and the likelihood of them being retained as the full-time head coach the following season would be slim, right? I feel like seasoned guys like O'Brien, Todd Munkin, who's got a really good gig at Georgia, he says, and Reich would be hesitant to put themselves in those precarious situations. I feel like they're more likely to land a guy who's out of a job or desperate for a promotion. It's great points, all of them. Uh, Frank Reich, I think, is interviewing for a head coaching job as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of these offensive coordinators, these candidates that people are mentioning, are actually also in line for some head coaching jobs. But no, you make a great point. Um, if I'm going to take a job, if I'm going to leave the University of Alabama, you know, I'd like to know it's going to be more for more than one year. Um, you know, it, it it is tough to come into a situation where you, you see the coaches wobbly. Now he's got, you know, this is only his second year. He won a division. Um, you know, his contract is actually for probably five years, I think. But how much security would you have? And 
first of all, forget about Todd Munkin. He's not coming to Tampa Bay. He had that job, so he's not going to work his way back down the ladder of success. Believe me, being the coordinator for the two-time national champion Georgia Bulldogs is not a bad opportunity, and he'll launch himself from there to whatever else he wants to do. But it's not going to be going backwards to his former job as the Bucks offensive coordinator. So that's out. But I guess the key would be, first and foremost, as it is with most things, right? Is Tom wants you to do it? Do you have a relationship with Brady? Are you interested or intrigued about coaching the greatest quarterback of all time? Have you done it before? Um, you know, and if it's not Tom, then I would agree. Like, who is the quarterback? And how stable is the head coaching situation if, you know, you have a year or maybe even two, you know, what what's the upside here? If I'm a good offensive coordinator and I have options, but the way Bill O'Brien did, and like I said, I, the reports are tonight that Bill's as good as gone back to New England. But if I have options, I'm not looking at Tampa as as a great job, as a jo- as a secure job. It might be a great job, but not as one that, I can bank on that Todd Bowles is going to survive, you know, four or five years. Well, and who's the quarterback? That's the key. How do we, how do you even recruit? First of all, how do you hire an offensive coordinator if you don't if they don't know who the quarterback is? Right? How do you do that? And and you really you're not in a position to tell them unless unless that offensive coordinator has a relationship with that quarterback and he calls him and says, "Hey man, if you're Bill O'Brien, hey man, I'm willing to help you out. Let's do this. You're back, right? Yeah, I'm going to go back. I'm not ready to release it yet, but yeah, that's my plan. If you come, that'll that'll cinch it. You'd have to have some assurance that Brady is the guy because that guarantees you at least one year. And who the hell knows? You might play to least 50. I don't know. But you'd feel a heck of a lot better knowing that you're not starting the you know your tenure with the Bucks with a coach that's already had a losing season and then inheriting a Kyle Trask or a Blaine Gabbard as your starting quarterback. I don't think that's going to attract many good people. I don't. Are there guys that could do it? Yes. Are there good play, good coaches and play callers out there that would do it? Sure. But they're not going to be the names that everybody hears about. And I think it is a problem. And for that reason, it goes back to what we were talking about at the top of the podcast. Maybe Byron Leftwich is the best guy. <laughs> you know, Maybe you can fix him. Better yet, maybe you fix the offensive line or you get a better running back, right? Or you get Brady protection and you add in a third quick twitch receiver that isn't as old and as beat up as Julio Jones. You know, you get a tight end to even be better than Kate Otten or you develop him into somebody or maybe Gronk comes back. Like there's all these things that you can make your team better. So... You know, you you could make an argument for keeping Leftwich. The fans won't like it. They'll they're ready. They're showing up with the pitchforks and the lanterns already. You know, the hounds are on the doorstep. They're coming for everybody. It's crazy. Um, but what if you kept Byron? What's what's that? What's going to happen? Right? Is it the worst idea in the world? Who who is the field? Like, just get anybody. I love that. You know, oh, get get anyone else. I'll take anybody. No, you won't. You really don't want that situation. And furthermore, Tom's not going to take anybody. Tom's going to be very particular about who he who he wants to work with. And I'll say this: I don't know what happened this year, or if the relationship 
got better or worse. I saw a lot of hugs after games. I know that Tom really has an affection for Byron Leftwich. They work together closely, very long. They've had a lot of success. They won a Super Bowl together. That bonds them for life, right? Then the next year, they average over 30 points a game, won a wild card game, got behind, divisional playoff to the Rams, came all the way back, lost in the last few seconds. No shame in that. They've done some stuff, right? They have history together. However, it didn't work this year. I suspect a lot of it had to do with the players. A lot of it had to do with the youth of the team, not having Gronk, not having Marpet, not having Kappa, you know, Tristan Wurst missing three games, Donovan Smith missing a bunch of games, not playing well. Receiver coming off an ACL injury. Shaq Barrett gets her. I mean, you know, everybody has injuries, but these are significant because this was not a deep football team. They spent a lot of capital on on veterans, and there wasn't much behind those veterans. So when they got injuries, they were it was quite a drop off. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good question. I I don't know that you can assume somebody wants this job. You know, somebody that you're going to say, oh, yeah, great offensive coordinator, what a great hire. I, I don't know. And they're obviously they're getting phone calls. So somebody's going to want to do it. But is it going to be of the, you know, Bill O'Brien type level of coordinator? I, I don't know that. All right, Luis had tweeted us. He says, last week I asked if the Dallas Bucks game was a trap game. And it seems like it ended up being one. For this much miscommunication and mismanagement of a game, sure seems like the Bucks went in assuming three things. We have Brady in the postseason, we beat Dallas before with the same schemes, and Dak and the Stars choke in the playoffs. Your thoughts? I don't think it was I don't know what a trap game is. When you get to the postseason, it's win or go home. So there's no you know, it's it's hard to be looking ahead when you literally have no game if you lose. <laughs> so it's just weird to me that you say, you know what, they, uh, they started worrying about the 49. No, I don't think that. As far as there were a lot of things maybe that were assumed um, or hoped for, I guess you would say, that Dak wasn't playing well. Maybe he would continue not to play well, that the defense had given up a lot of yards, um, that the Bucks were healthy again for the first time in a while. And, and yeah, that Brady has been – Lights out in the postseason, and he and he never had lost to the Dallas Cowboys, as in never. So those are reasons for optimism. But if they turned on the film, they would have realized Dallas is a really good football team. I mean, they won twelve games for a reason. You know, the Bucks won eight, so they had a better year by far in a division where, you know, there's still three teams in that division that are in the playoffs in the NFC. So, you know, you can't argue with who they played, how good they were. And to go 12-5 and five in that division is pretty impressive. So they were a better team. And I don't think that the Bucks took them lightly, but I think they tried to convince themselves that they had a shot, you know. I think they tried to convince themselves that it was, you know, going to go their way. And it certainly didn't. But, you know, again, I just think that a play here or there early in that game, I mean, they, they made Dak look awful the first two possessions. The Bucks didn't do anything their first possession. Finally, the Cowboys get it going, go down the field, have a long drive, score a touchdown, miss the extra point. That's a negative. Bucks get the ball, go down the field. They're, you know, first and goal at the five and second and goal at the five. And then Tom throws the pick, trying to throw the ball away. 
then the Cowboys take it and go down, stick it in the end zone. That's a, that's a 12-point swing, 13-point swing. You can't recover from that against good teams. And so, you know, if you make that play and kick the extra point, you're ahead 7-6, the crowd's into it. You know, maybe your defense gets you a stop, gets the ball back. Like, you just don't know, right? Complexion of things changes that fast. So it's, uh, you know, all those things happened, but I don't, I don't think it was a trap game. I don't, I don't think they were looking ahead. They were hopeful that they would play, you know, at the 49ers, but no, I, I just think that the game went the way the season went, and there was nothing they could do to stop it. All right, Jason tweeted us. He says, how much would Bruce Arians have made a difference in preventing the offense changing from no risk it, no biscuit to chuck and duck, given Todd Bowles saying he did not intervene in the game planning or play calling? Well, you know, I've talked to B.A. about this a lot, Bruce Arians a lot, and he has continued to say this for the last three years when he was a head coach, that he did not did not make the game plans um, that everything they accomplished was Byron and Tom, right? They put that together. Now it's BA's offense and BA is an offensive coach. So he can freely go into these meetings or talk to Tom or talk to Byron and he gets the play sheet and he can say, Hey, did you think about this? What about this? No, this probably won't work. And, and so, you know, during the game in real time, he's following along um, not calling plays per se could suggest some things, but he's more you know just being a head coach. Um, but they started to get away from some of the no risk it no biscuit stuff. Even though they put up big numbers, the second half of the 2020 season, you saw started to see some things that looked like Tom Brady's offense. So you know the play action, uh, the pre snap motions, like all this stuff. Not as many vertical routes, right? And it sort of morphed its way the rest of the season in the Super Bowl year, and they won a Super Bowl with it. Then they came back, and they added a little more of what Tom wanted. So I guess my point is I don't think Byron is coaching the offense he knew. That's B.A.'s offense. I don't think he's executing the no-risk-it-no-biscuit. In fact, I know he's not. Um, so how, how much would that have changed if Bruce was here? I think there'd be more shots downfield. I think there'd be more eligible receivers. I think he would have probably publicly held Tom more accountable at times for, you know, a bad throw, missed throw, missed read. You'd have heard a lot of that. In the end, I don't know how it would have changed. I think that's pure conjecture. You know, I I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know. Um, but I think, I don't think that, I don't think that B.A., would have acquiesced just as quickly maybe as Byron did, right? Or Todd allowed it to happen because Todd just threw his hands up and said, I, I don't coach offense. You guys figure out what you want to do. He suggested things. He wanted balance. He liked to have the run game. But, you know, consistently he said, just score more points than the other guys. And so that's just sort of the way it went. So I, I don't, I don't know that Arian's – would have made things better, but different, you know, and and maybe different would have been better because we know what they did this year didn't work. They, they just didn't get the ball downfield. They didn't have any explosive plays, and you know, I don't think I don't think Bruce would have run it more. Um, although 
going to be hard to run it less. But that's sort of where things broke down is that, you know, they just didn't have the personnel uh, or the guys coming back or the guys up front to run the football. So, I, no, I, my, I guess my long-winded answer is I don't, I don't know that Bruce Arians would have made this, uh, this team a Super Bowl team just because he's running the no-biscuit, no-risk-it. All right, Michael tweeted us. He says, is the special teams coach Keith Armstrong back next year? Don't know. Don't know. Um, listen, in a production business, if you're just looking at sheer production, you could say that you need to make changes on the offensive line. If you want to fire an offensive line coach, you want to get rid of the run game coordinator, those things didn't work. So we're holding guys accountable. You could make change there. I think special teams, you could do the same. I mean, like, look, their punter was extraordinary, okay? He's a rookie, Jake Camarda. Did fantastic in terms of, like, the number of balls that, you know, he hit over 60 yards, the average. Uh, did a pretty good job killing it inside the 20, kicked off. I don't think you can find fault with him. Ryan Suckup had a good year. But Todd Bowles the other day in his radio address after the season kind of threw Suckup – well, he didn't kind of. He threw Suckup under the bus. I mean, he said, yeah, Ryan's been great, except, you know, we need we need more production over 50 yards. He made a 55-yarder, but I think he was like, oh, for seven or something like that. He goes, you know, you'd like to be able to try a field goal from the, you know, 43 yards in. And he goes, you know, we just, we don't have that. So I think they might be looking for a new place kicker myself. Um, return, they didn't get those right. They had Jalen Darden early in the year. They finally got around to bringing in, you know, Devin Tompkins, and that seemed to work. That seemed to spark them. But where was that, where was that before? You know, where, where was Keith Armstrong's decision on that? So, you know, Keith has had a pretty good reputation. He's been fired before with Atlanta and, and whatnot. Um, I don't necessarily think that the special teams were bad that rises to the level of firing the coach. But, again, if you're looking to get better and you've got somebody you think is better – you could you could certainly see Keith Armstrong, you know, getting caught up in the wash. I mean, like I said, it's not good enough, right? Nothing nothing was good enough. But the previous two years when they won a Super Bowl, lost in the division division round to the Rams, it was pretty damn good. And it's the same coaches. So I don't think they, you know, got you know, forgot football and started teaching something different that didn't work. I just think the players are different. And not as good. And so they got to determine, can another special teams coach, you know, be better than that? And my sense is that it won't happen. I haven't heard that. Um, but listen, that's that's what the evaluations are for today. It's really, it's really what it's about. All right, Scott asks, is Devin White regressing? And if Levante David isn't back next season, how will that impact White's play? Well, it's not going to help him, okay? I mean, listen, I mean, Levante David is a lot of things to a lot of people on this football team, but he's more to Devin White than anybody. You know, he has put his arms around this guy and been the big brother, been the role model, uh, both on and off the field, productive as hell. He's 32 years old. I think he matched Devin in tackles. Um, You know, doesn't put up with Devin's BS. Like, you know, if Devin doesn't hustle, he calls him out. Um, Doesn't let things slide. So, no, I don't I don't necessarily think Devin White is regressing. I don't think he had as good a year. And so if that's the the definition of regressing, you you know, you can go there. 
I think he had some lapses. I think, you know, we talked about the loaf that he had against the Ravens. Um, what I saw him do in Germany uh, upon learning that his dad had passed while he's getting on the plane um, was inspirational. And I think from that moment on, uh, he learned not to take a single play for granted. And I thought he played way better and with a lot more joy and a lot more, you know, aggressiveness. Um, so I think his best football is still ahead of him. He's still a very young guy. So, you know, while, like, again, maybe not the splash plays this year, but, you know, you need to be ahead in games, you need to have the lead in games. They never had the lead. Even, you know, four or five of the games that they won was, you know, Brady taking them down the field to score in the last minute or so or overtime. So it's hard to have those big plays without it. But I don't think he's regressing. And and if if Levante's not here, that will hurt Devin White immensely because teams, you know, can get to that second layer and they're going to be looking for him all the time. And the one thing I think Levante always did was cover up Devin's mistakes, you know, when he'd be overly aggressive and he'd shoot a gap that he probably shouldn't have. Levante was smart enough to know what was happening and would react in real time. I hope they re-sign Levante David. I think he still has plenty of football in him. He keeps himself in remarkable shape. He changed his body, got uh, dieted more, rested more, got sleep more. Um, but he's got a, he's got an infant daughter, and he doesn't have a contract for the first time in his Bucks career. He's sitting here as a free agent. So I really I don't know what will happen, but um, I don't I don't really think that Devin regressed. I I, I just think that he had some lapses. And I think like the rest of the team, he was just kind of up and down, but he needs to even that out. You know, he needs to be a little more consistent. And, you know, I think he will. This is a big year for Devin because they're going to, you know, pop him with a, you know, a fifth year option here pretty soon. And he's going to be a free agent before long. So um, those contracts, when they get closer, they usually inspire guys. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss all right we'll end on this one tonight we'll have many more mailback questions tomorrow so go ahead and keep sending them in but steve had tweeted he says obviously this season didn't play out as fans expected it to how do you think this season would have played out differently if byron leftwich was named the head coach and not todd bowles hmm it would have been uh probably a little worse and I say this because I think that Byron would have continued to call the offense and I think it would have overwhelmed him being a head coach and a play caller. And so as bad as you all thought it was this year with Byron just as the offensive coordinator, I think it would have been worse if he had that head coaching job. And I think the Bucks knew that he wasn't ready. And I think that's why they hired Todd Bowles because Bowles has been a head coach. Everybody's like, well, yeah, the Jets, he was terrible. One winning season, yeah, that's true. Um, but he knew he knew what it's supposed to look like, and I I know to be an offensive play caller and working with Brady, which has to be so 
you know, all encompassing and consuming. I just don't think he would have done as good a job, and I'm pretty sure he would have kept the play calling duties. So uh, I think they hired the right guy of those two. You know, that was sort of the debate, you know, and they thought that they really did think that Byron was going to get the Jags job, and he didn't. And Todd interviewed, I think, for a job or two, and he didn't get him. So here was an opportunity to kind of keep the band together, and that's sort of what they did. But, yeah, very I, – I, I don't think it would have been – better i don't think byron is ready to coach this team last you know this past year um he'll be ready soon though and i and the sad thing is is that he's going to take a huge knock to his reputation because of one bad year and again we already talked about how you know it's not all byron leftwich but that's the way the business goes like if some owner was interested in bringing in byron you know we always say this have the press conference all right, uh, Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator back in 220. Um, he worked with Tom Brady for three years, and they were last in the league in rushing and rushing attempts last year, and their offense fell off about, I don't know, 12 points a game. Uh, let's give it up for Byron Leftwich. Like that, those are hard, those are hard talking points to avoid, and uh, people are going to rip you for it. So um, I definitely don't see him, you know having that opportunity now but if he if he was a head coach here I this team listen it it had to me it had more to do with who they were playing with or who they weren't playing with than what the coach these coaches haven't drastically changed uh and none of them can you know can make guys play differently but you know it's a players league man and and I don't think Byron would have done better I it probably would have been a little bit worse to be honest with you all right, great questions. We got a bunch of, of those left over that we'll handle tomorrow on uh, the podcast. You can send them in to us anytime if you want to uh, on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Email address rstroud at tampabay.com. We'll get you ready for the NFL divisional playoffs coming up. Some really good games, of course. Dallas at San Francisco. That's the one that I'm interested in. We'll see if the Cowboys can make it two in a row. See if their kicker can make an extra point. So. We'll have uh, lots of that as well as your questions tomorrow. Thanks for listening. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 